we're back for season three of Bird Bros. Falcons season is on the horizon. NFL season eve. Recording this on a Wednesday night before that Thursday night game. Flying high with me on Bird Bros tonight is AD, AV, and Trent. As always, what's up, fellas? What's up? What's up? What's up? So we're going to start it off just with a little banter. I mean, if you all could see our group me, it's World War Three in this thing. <laughs> Trent and AB have been going at it. <laughs> I mean, it's like every day, man, you guys are debating over something. I mean, it's our main – It just happens also. It's like, oh, damn. <laughs> it's always over something like, small, too. Yeah. Like, Trent, Trent will be like, the Falcons are going to be great. I'll be like, no, the Falcons will be amazing. Correct yourself. So it will always be something small. Yeah. Some way it gets to – oh, Matt Ryan's not top ten. No, Matt Ryan's top five. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, so based off of that, the one that we kind of missed, it, it was from a couple of weeks ago, but it was who was the most important player on the Falcons. I think Trent was the only one who said Julio was. The other three of us, we all said, we, we all said Matt Ryan. And basically my argument was Matt Ryan goes down, this team wins probably, what, four or five games, maybe less. Mm-hmm. If Julio goes down, we find a way. I mean, he's still an integral part, probably the second most important guy on the team, but I still feel like the Falcons find a way to make the playoffs. Trent, yeah, I'll give you the floor because – well, because Trent is on the other side of it. I'm the only one. So Yeah, I, I want to hear what you, what's your logic. Or you can tell you know, people listen. Ryan, like, yeah, he would be the most important player because he plays the most important position on the team. But at the same time, when the defense is game planning for our offense, they're game planning – to um, to shut down Julio Julio Jones or just basically a game plan for Julio Jones. That's why I don't think – like I think using the example of Matt Ryan being injured and our second string backup quarterback coming to play, coming to play, of course we're going to be a terrible team. Any team that has a player backup quarterback will be a team. But I think if you were to switch Matt Ryan with, I get what, any top 15 quarterback in the league, then how many games will we lose? If you switch Julio Jones with any top 15 wide out in a, in a league, how many games will we lose? I think that's where you see the importance. You don't see the importance when you're saying a backup. The, duh. I mean, of course, a backup quarterback is going to it's going to it's going to be a lot. It's going to be hurt. It's going it's going to uh, it's going to affect the team more than I say. Okay, you switch Matt Ryan for Matt for Matt Stafford, and what does he make this team? Is it the same? Is it better? I mean, from my perspective, my, my point was this. If you replace Matt Ryan um, with, with really anybody, I don't think you can necessarily say that we would have the same results or, e- or even anywhere close. I look back to last year, um, the number to me that stands out is 14. Matt Ryan had a touchdown pass to 14 different players, including Julio Jones, on the way to 11-5 getting to the um, Super Bowl. You can't replicate that with just any type of player. So when I look at importance, obviously quarterback position is number one. But even more so than that, you look at the kind of impact that quarterback has on the team. And I think specifically with the Falcons, Matt Ryan was able to elevate the entire team to a new level because of his overall improved play. We've seen the greatness of Julio. We've seen a couple of years ago, Julio had arguably one of the best receivers for uh, a receiver in history. Remember, he was a couple of catches shy of being having yeah. the most receptions, a couple of receptions shy of having the most yards. I mean, he had a record breaking season. The Falcons went eight and eight. Look at what Matt Ryan did when he was able to elevate his game to an MVP level, spread the ball around. He took us to the Super Bowl. So to me, that's why I say one player is more important than the other. 
I would I would grant you that Julio is a better player at his position than Matt Ryan is. And I would even give you that Julio is a better overall player in general. But oh, as yeah. far as who is more important to the success of the team, for me, it's easy. It's Matt. No, I just I mean, I think also you said the you look at the difference between Matt's performance between last year and where between, I mean, in his following his prior years. And it's always been because of Matt Ryan. If we look at you know, a couple of years ago, we were having the conversation on here that last year was Matt Ryan's do or die year. I mean, at one point we were talking about drafting a quarterback just to become, just to even have some type of competition for Matt Ryan. So, I mean, you can't use this, this recent year of this extreme year he just had to, to try to validate that. I mean, Julio Jones, we saw what happened when we lost Julio Jones. We won four games. We haven't seen that with Matt Ryan. But that was also a very bad team with not a lot of talent. And that was several yeah. years ago under a different coaching staff. So I don't know how much, you know, we can put into that. But what you can put into, if you look at how we performed last year when Julio didn't have a lot of catches or didn't play, the team was still able to roll. I mean, they were able to put up 40 points back-to-back games without Julio playing down the stretch. But even more so earlier in the year when he didn't have a huge 100-yard, two-touchdown type game, the offense still was able to average 34 a night, you know, um, and able to put those points up even without him. So, well, not without him because he's still on the field. So when he's on the field, he's going to see two, three, two, three plays. He's going to see a double team. That's like saying, I mean, even in the NBA, you compare it to the NBA. That's like saying Stephen Curry is not the most important on the Golden State Warriors. No, he is. You know why? Because you have two or three defenders looking at him everywhere he's on the everywhere he's on the court. It's the same thing when the defense is guarding Julio Jones. They're going to put two, three people over there in the first play on, on one side of the field. Of course, Matt Ryan has an easier job when he has three defenders worrying about one player. Mm. Right, yeah. I hear you over there, uh, Shannon Sharp. I, I, <laughs> like I said, I still feel like if you just look – if you look at the stats, if you look at, you know, how the team played, yeah, you can say that the team is trying to game plan to take away Julio, but the team also has the game plan for Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan is the central focus for the offense, for the, for the defense of this offense because they know – that number two is basically what's going to stir the drink when it comes to the Falcons. So if you're able to neutralize what Matt Ryan is able to do with his coverages, whether it's the type of defense that you're playing, you're going to shut down what Julio is able to do anyway because the quarterback is getting the ball to the receiver. And I think with this team, the way this team is set up, Matt Ryan as the leader of the team, and really now that the offense is going to be more so in his hands because Shanahan's not here, they're keeping the same zone blocking scheme. Um, this is Matt's team. This is Matt's offense completely. So, he is even more integral to the success of this team than I think you would have seen a couple of years ago. So to me, you look at who is more important. You look at the impact that they have on players around them. You look at the fact, like I said, 14 players were able to score a touchdown. Some of those guys got cut, you know, this past offseason because of how the team was able to continue to elevate with the talent around them. So Matt Ryan's able to turn guys who weren't even really impact players into guys who can produce on a regular basis. I mean, DJ T. Oliva, uh, Josh Perkins. I mean, those guys aren't on an NFL roster right now, but Matt Ryan was able to get those guys touchdowns. It just speaks to how important, how valuable he is as a quarterback to make guys around him that much better. So that's why I would say Matt Ryan is I more important than uh, Julio for this team. I agree with that, but we'll also see that this year because I think the knock, or not even the knock, a lot of people are still worried or still questioning Matt Ryan's performance because they're trying to see, if it, was it Matt Ryan or was it Kyle Shanahan's offense? But that's one thing we will see again see this year. Okay, is was he a beneficiary of the system? Because I've seen that 
that perspective out there a lot. Was he been a beneficiary beneficiary of this? Was it is actually talent and skill? Uh, I think we got most of the guys coming back, so I don't think that's going to be much of a question. But I mean, that's the perfect segue into what we're looking forward to for the season. Maybe some predictions, true false. Uh, I got a couple topics here, back and forth, and look at from a true false and kind of uh, as we always do, kind of battle or or go against each other and see who comes closest to these numbers as the season goes along. So as I pull up my topics right here, AV just, uh, just sent <laughs> another good one. I guess I we can start off with that since we just talked about Matt Ryan. <laughs> and, and, I mean, AD, I think he's still on here with us, but I mean, I know the floor was uh, training AVs for these past few minutes, but let's start it off with this. It's a true or false. Just, I guess it's straight up true or false. Matt Ryan will repeat as NFL MVP. AD, make your case. False. Um, and not from a performance standpoint, but I think um, it's going to come into it with the new offensive coordinator, Sark. I think they're going to run the ball more. Um, and I think Matt's just not going to have to go out there and put up points and do hopefully some of the things he had to do last year. I think the defense will be improved. So I don't think it'll be any less um, – he'll be any less – better than he was last year. Um, I just think there'll be factors, more running than the running game, better defense. Um, I just don't think we'll have to go out and outscore people like we did at certain times last year. So I say false. So if it's not, it's not Matt Ryan, then who uh, in the league is it? Say that again? If it's not Matt Ryan, then who uh, in the league is your, is your MVP prediction? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, you know what? I'm going to go out on a limb, and you guys are going to look at me crazy. I think it may be Jameis Winston. I think they're going to put up a ton of points. Um, they're going to have to. Um, I think they do possibly get in the playoffs as a wild card. Um, and then, so there may be some conversation there. I think he's poised to have a big year. Um, you know, I'm not. I'm worried about them as a team. I think ultimately we'll win the division, but I think they're poised to put up a lot of numbers. They put a lot of weapons um, at that guy's disposal, and he's going to throw it around a lot. All right, going down line, Av. True or false on that Matt Ryan question you he posed to us? <laughs> of course, yeah. Uh, I, I say true. I say Matt is going to uh, repeat as NFL MVP. I think this may be maybe the height of my Falcons fanatic um, statements, but I really do feel like he can actually be better than he was a year ago. Um, you know, you think about some of the elite quarterbacks in the league, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Drew Brees. Those guys are able to put up those type of numbers year after year. But I think the thing that makes them so successful is the fact that they've been in the same system. They pretty much, you know, run the show. They run all the play calls. They're able to do what they want. They have complete control at the line to make the plays, make the calls. And you're now seeing that with Matt Ryan. So he's going to have complete autonomy to do what he wants to do. I think that's one. Two, he returns pretty much everybody on offense. The only guys mm-hmm. we're missing, Chris Chester, who retired, and um, – uh, Patrick DeMarco, who left to go to Buffalo as a free agent. So you're basically bringing back the same crew, um, the same guys who you had the record-setting offense with last year. So you have that in his favor. And then I think three, you know, even though I do think that the defense will be improved, and I think it's, you know, incumbent for the team to return to the Super Bowl that the defense has to play better, um, this is still going to be a team that's going to be dynamic and still score the ball. I look at, even though we hate the Patriots, they're able to still score a lot of points and still be good on defense. So I don't think you have to give up one to be good at the other. So I think that the Falcons are still maybe not 33 a game, maybe it drops. You know, we talked about this on previous shows about what the offense would do. Maybe it does go down to 30 a game. 
that's still going to be enough from an offensive standpoint to give him the numbers that he's going to need to be in a conversation. I think the Falcons have a, a banner year to get over all of the talk about a, a Super Bowl hangover. I think, think you see him put up 40 touchdowns, which he should have gotten last year as far as passing. I think you see him with another four to 5,000 yard uh, passing season, the accuracy being there, the quarterback rating being among the best in the league like it was last year. I think he repeats. Wow. So AV with the repeat. Like, yes. <laughs> what about you, Trent? You saying the same thing or? No, I'm definitely not rolling with that. <laughs> I just think that um, we just we won't be able to match the offensive output that we had uh, that we that we had we had last year or last season. And I just I also think that there will be a learning uh, curve for Matt Ryan. It's, I mean, of course, it's a new offensive coordinator. So even I mean, of course, you've heard that Sark is not going to try to make a lot of differences, a lot of moves with his offense. But at the same time, still new terminology. It, there, it takes time for that relationship to build. How will Sark call game call plays and crunch time? So how in the two minute warning, what is Sark? What how is Sark going to game plan for that? Or what type of play calls is he going to is he going to call? And will him and Matt Ryan be on the same page? Those are those situational experiences. They're they're going to have to learn before we can um, just think that he will be the MVP again. And also just the small um, sample size we got from him in the preseason. Of course, it is the preseason, but he made a lot of dumb decisions in that uh, Arizona Cardinals game. So, I, like, that shows that it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a learning process. So, that's therefore, I don't think that he will have an MVP season. I don't think he'll be trash this season, but – I do think that he will uh, scale back in that top five, top six, top, that that area, not the top two or top three that he was uh, last season. So who do you think will win it? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with A-Rod. Okay. A-Rod, Aaron Rodgers. I'm thinking uh, – I'm saying false to that, and I'm thinking it's Tom Brady. Because if you think about it, even last year – Tom Brady played 12 games, and he was probably top three in that MVP race. But mm-hmm. even despite his advanced age, Tom Brady is still a, a guy to watch out for. So that's my pick. So we, we kind of went down the line with our MVP. So Wait a second. Him. Advanced age? He's 40. What's up? I have a problem with that. <laughs> oh, sorry. I'm 40. To our elder, elder statesman, uh, AD. <laughs> hey, man, you just wise, man. I mean, advanced age for, for football. You know, most of those guys are done at like 26, 27, which is Yeah, 40, 40 is the new 20, man. You good, man. <laughs> I appreciate that. Appreciate that. Oh, there you go. I, I mean, y'all are flying in with more suggestions in the uh, in the group me, but uh, a couple more. Let's let's look at um, probably one of the, the major storylines we're looking at is, is Vic Tech Poe. A name, a nickname that AV came up with, and then he said, "Yeah, yeah." You Orlando Ledbetter from a, from the AJC came up and uh, co-opted his term. I don't know. Yeah, the Bowtie Chronicle came and uh, <laughs> came came and snuck <laughs> off of my wanna, they they came and snuck off with my title, man. Today, that Devontae Freeman's looking pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so I I, I said twenty sacks or more. I guess that's kind of low. Um, if you think about what Vic had, what eighteen last year? Fourteen, fourteen and a half. Fourteen and a half. I'm Mm -hmm. tripping. So I guess let's say what. Let's set the line at what twenty. The Vic Tac Poe trio will have let's say twenty two sacks or more. True or false? Trent, uh, I didn't believe that they'll have twenty. I mean, so of course I'm not rolling with twenty two. Um, 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen enough of Tech, man. In the pre, honestly, like AV is, he feels like Tech is going to have a, a big impact this season. I just don't see it. I mean, um, of course, he's coming off a shoulder injury, and I just don't like for him to just come in and dominate. Like that's a little, that's some unrealistic expectations for him. And I mean, he's he coming off a shoulder injury, injury, and he's shouldering a lot with you know what I'm saying our limited. Um, Options from a rushing uh, from rushing a passer standpoint, so I just I don't believe that he will be. Um, he I think AB was saying five sacks. I don't think he'll have he'll reach that number. Um, but salute to Tech because I think he actually uh, banned himself from social media. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. So uh, that's one I felt like he would be a head case, but I mean he's already moving in the right way, so he's showing some sense of maturity um, outside of Tech. Of course, uh, Dontari Poe, his strength is going to be stuffing the run. And, then, and Vic Beasley, like Matt Ryan, I think Vic Beasley had a career-defining year. I don't think I don't think he can match that same output, though. I mean, he was the sack leader in the NFL last year. I don't, I don't expect him to match that same output. So you're going below 20, uh, yeah. just in general? Yeah. Uh, A.V.? Yeah, I'm taking over. I'm taking over. You said 22. So are we doing 22 or 20? I, I'm going 23. MJ's okay. number. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I'm going for that. Um, I think that I think it's possible that you see Vic maybe take a step back as far as as far as a number goes. Maybe he doesn't have 14 and a half sacks. Maybe he has 12 sacks. But I think his overall ability, his overall ability to read defenses will be better. Last year, if you looked at Vic play, a lot of his sacks was built off of just him being faster than whoever he was being guarded by. So he was able to get around the edge and rush the quarterback and just be so fast that he was able to make an impact. I think he's going to be able – he went to the, you know, uh, rushing defensive end summit that Von Miller put on this summer. I think he takes a lot from that as far as how to, you know, harness his craft, how to get better. I think you'll see his overall impact impact the rest of the line, and the line itself will have improved play. Uh, you got more speed on the defensive line this year. I think Tack and, – and listen, I didn't say Tack is going to dominate. I did say that he's going to have a major impact for this team, though. He's looked fresh. He's looked fast. He's looked strong this, this um, preseason. I think you'll continue to see that as he continues to learn the NFL game. I mean, because they're only going to be putting Tack in there just strictly rushing situations, third and long, you know, maybe a second and long, just something like that. He's going to – every opportunity he has is going to be to rush the passer. He's not going to be in there for run support. So he's going to have the opportunity to really get after the passer in a way that maybe a traditional defensive end may not. So I think you'll see Tack – six sacks may be a little rich, but I think you'll see him probably around four or five. He might hit six because the guy's got absolute speed back there. And then with Poe, I think he's going to make some plays. The guy's motivated. He's weight is down. Um, he was an impact player for Kansas City. Uh, every year that he's been there, as long as he can stay healthy and stay at the right weight, he's going to get back there in, in the backfield. So I'll say 23. And I also want to add this to it as well. I know I said Vic Tech Poe, but you got to add a Grady baby in there too. <laughs> so you're going to throw another four or five sacks from Grady Jarek. I think Grady Jarek. So if you add Grady in, what you going for about? I, I was about 30. About 30. Uh, <laughs> I, I ain't going to say 30, but. The, the defensive front with those guys in there definitely uh, is going to be a problem for teams to handle. So I think Grady is going to have at least four or five himself. He had three in the Super Bowl by himself. So he's more than capable throughout the course of the year getting four or five. He's looked fresh all uh, preseason as well. So 
I'm definitely going for the over. Uh, I put it at 23. All right. What you got, AD? Well, uh, AB stole my thunder a little bit, but I said under because I think um, Vic is somewhere double digits. I think Tat could have one of those crazy games where he gets three or four in one game just because he's got that speed. And I think he's got that kind of natural. He's already a pass rusher, whereas Vic had to kind of learn that skill. Obviously, he's got to learn more, but he's just got that natural body lean that, I mean, that dude is a true defensive end, pass rushing type of guy. I just don't think you're going to get a lot out of Poe in that regard. I think he'll have a good season, but I don't think he's going to pass rush. Um, I don't think his pass rush will be up there, especially with the amount of people that are going to be switching in and out. But if you add Grady to that, you know, if the number's 22, I think they probably would have hit 23. I think Grady's going to have somewhere around six or eight sacks this year. Um, Again, he's another guy that could be, you know, he could have one of those games where it comes in bunches, two or three, you know, in one game. Um, He showed it, um, like A.B. said, in the Super Bowl. And then, you know, he was getting some great pressure against Arizona in the preseason game. So I think if you if you would have switched him in there, I would have went with it. But I don't think – I think Poe is the weak link just from a pure pass rush uh, right. sacks number type. Well, I guess I kind of lumped him in there just because of the nickname. <laughs> not necessarily because, I, of course, he's not going to be rushing the passer like like Grady Jarrett will from the interior. But, uh, man, on that, on that 20 number – I'm going to say, I guess it's not even answering the question, but I'm going to say at right at 20, Vic Tack. I really should have said Vic Tack and Jared, but, but whatever. Or Jack Crawford, uh, Brooks Reed, and um, uh, Derek Shelby. Because <laughs> I'm pretty yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure probably, well, he probably won't lead us. He'll probably be like the second second or third guy in like the, from the yeah. sacks that sheet. That's, I don't expect much from uh, Tack or Poe, honestly. I think our best pass rushers are probably Claiborne. Um, not, no, specific, no specific order, but Beasley, Claiborne, and Grady. And do y'all get the feeling now that, you know, I think Tack has shown so much and the defensive line, Jack Crawford, looked pretty good that there's no possible way that we're bringing back um, the old vet with uh, Mr. Dwight Freeney. Do you think that that ship is finally yeah, sailed? I think that, that ship is sailed. Yeah, so. Um, he's on mad. He's on a man story mode. He's not worried about the <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but you know what? I forgot about Claiborne. I mean, you talk about third down, some combination of big tack Claiborne playing tackle, Crawford yep. playing tackle. I mean, that's a man. That's a scary sight. Man, this Crawford is, the, is a monster. He is a monster. It's the most I've been encouraged by our D line in quite some time. I can't even remember. The last time I was like, all right. You know, the last time I was really impressed with the Falcons defensive line was probably that Vic, that DVD era, when you had somebody like Rod Coleman um, clogging yeah. up the middle. I mean, that was that was the last time I remember the Falcons having, like, okay, they've got a front that actually can get after some guys in the middle. But, um, yeah, it's been a while since they've had this kind of talent up front. Yeah, yeah. So we got two more. AV, uh, excuse me, AD proposed this one which is kind of random. He said true or false. Andre Roberts with three uh, – with more than three. Let me read this thing. Is it three? Yeah, three. Three punt returns. For three three or more punt returns, oh, which is like, eh. I'm definitely saying below. I'm saying maybe one, if if not zero. But I'll go with one. False. I think you'll get point five. I get 30. How do you get a point five? 20, 30. How do you get 0.5? Everything. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say false. This is probably the only aspect um, 
I know Andre Roberts had a great year with Detroit last year. He's supposed to be sure-handed, supposed to really give us that shot in the arm. I wasn't – I mean, he had a couple of decent runs in the preseason. I wasn't really as impressed with him. And I feel like with special teams, that's maybe one of the few positions or, or parts of the team where you actually do kind of look at it during the um, preseason with, you know, how are they blocking, how are the guys looking, how are they protecting. I mean, you've seen kickers get cut, you know, for missing kicks in the preseason. So – that's the one area I kind of do look at a little bit more, you know, stringent, strictly, just based off of how he played. I was a little concerned with the fact that he put one on the turf uh, for the, the preseason home opener against the Cardinals. So I would like for him to have three or more, but I do think it'll be a different dynamic for the team just because last year we didn't really get – I mean, with Weems, I mean, he's fair catching anything, any and everything. So you weren't getting that option this year. You know, Andre Roberts is somebody – he's going to go for it. But I don't think he's going to get three or more uh, punt returns. If he gets one, I'd be impressed. But I don't. I don't think he's going to do that. Stranger things. I think three is. You know, if you can get two with the Lions, you know, I think three is possible. I think either way, though, um, probably the bigger point. It almost goes back to what we were a little bit. What some of us said about Matt. You know, is he giving us ten or fifteen free yards we weren't getting last year with Wings? That right. cuts down yeah. on, you know, some offensive produ- – not production, but yardage, whether on offense in general, which, hey, if he can get us, you know, a couple times a game, 10 or 15 yards for free, I'll take that. But um, So I think he's going to have an impact. Um, I understand what you guys are saying about maybe not three punt returns, but I think that's going to be a big element that can help the team, you know, going forward. Yeah. Yeah, now, now last one uh... – for this particular true-false segment, I think we'll kind of go more into some general uh, season topics in our next little segment here. But wins. I'm setting the line at the true-false line at, at 10. Uh, true or false, we'll have 10 uh, wins or more. I would say uh, easily. Um, I think the Falcons go 12-4, and four, uh, return back to the Super Bowl. Um, I think the team – you know, a lot of a lot was made last year of just kind of what the schedule was going to be. And I know we were last year, just remembering the podcast, we were so worried about kind of what that was going to look like coming into the season. Um, and if Shanahan was really going to mess with Matt and how that whole thing was going to work, could Dan Quinn really coach? I think a lot of those questions have been answered. Dan Quinn is a pretty good coach. Um, he's got a hell of a team, more talented, probably the most talented Falcons team I've ever seen coming into a season. So if the team stays healthy – I think we win 12 games easily. And and maybe, maybe this is the one seed uh, going into the playoffs. So um, I say more than 10. Um, I actually say true. I say 10 games, though. I think there is, there's only six games I am actually worried about on the schedule. Of course, I talked about Aaron Rodgers being the MVP. So, of course, I think that that game, that, I think that's the inaugural uh, regular season game for, for the uh, MBS. And – Having the Packers come in and Aaron Rodgers come in, that'll be a pretty tough game. Traveling to Detroit, that's a tough road game. Of course, we should win that game, but, I mean, it's a road game in the NFL. And, of course, you know that we're bound to blow one, one game in the uh, regular season. New England, the Super Bowl rematch, of course, that's another one you should be worried about. And we're going to split one with Tampa in the division. Honestly, in the division, Tampa is the only team I'm actually worried about, I think, the Panthers and the Saints, they still will um, be the uh, fighting for the uh, for the last fight in the division. 
And then we also have the Cowboys and Seahawks. I don't think we'll win both of those both, both of those games. So hopefully we can get one of those. Yeah, I'm going with eleven and five. Uh as I look at the schedule here. I mean, because think about it, last year we lost to the Eagles with Carson Wentz as their starter. And we're a pretty good football. Player. You know, you, you gotta you got some slip up games that, that you always may have with I don't know, Buffalo's supposed to be pretty bad, even in Miami. And of course those division games. It's probably split that Patriots and Seahawks. Cowboys would be a tough one. This is a, it's a pretty tough schedule. I think AV a- might have posted an article to say we had the toughest schedule. Last um, year, I think they said last, last year, year was last year was the toughest last schedule. Year, this year, I think we're like middle of the pack, like maybe 13th hardest or something like okay. that. Yeah. And games still have to be played, so yeah, which is making projections on that. Exactly. I think AD still has to tell us his uh, uh his prediction. Yeah, I'm a, I'm at eleven and five, so okay. I'm, I'm not much different than y'all. Yeah, so we're on the same page on something. It's been a while since we all kind of agreed. We're all so we're all there at that 10, 10 and six, eleven and five, twelve and four in that ballpark to a number one or at least number two seed, and then AV shooting for the stars and saying we're going back to the Super Bowl. Yes, yes, yes. That yes. puts up more a, on that later. More on that later. More on that later. And I, and I guess. You know, looking at some season storylines. What'd you say, Trent? Oh, I was just saying it's a letdown if we don't make the Super Bowl. Yep. Yeah, yeah. This is Super yep. Bowl or bust. <laughs> yep. Wow. Yep. You don't you don't agree with that, AD? Because I mean, I, I feel the same. I feel it like that. Uh, I, mean, you know. I actually don't agree with it. I would. <laughs> no, I don't. Oh, you don't? Oh. No. I, I mean, it's wrong. to me another group meet conversation. Yeah, I mean, I think that was <laughs> another great group meet uh, debate. I mean, to me, the, the objective is get back to the Super Bowl. Like, to me, nothing else is even, is even in the discussion if we're talking about a letdown or what would you expect. My expectation is for them to get back there. And it's not just because I want them to get back there and win. It's because they have the talent. They've got the coaching staff. They've got all the resources. you got the reigning MVP. you got best receiver in the game, but arguably the best running back duo, you know, a top 10 offensive line. I mean, you've got so many great pieces, young guys on the come up. I mean, why not? Um, if you told me that the way the season would end is the Falcons making the playoffs, I'd be disappointed. I mean, that like that's it. That's I expected that anyway. So for me, it would be to return it back to the Super Bowl and win it. That's that's really what I see when I look at this team. I mean, again, we didn't have a lot of a lot of guys leave. Um, so you're keeping the core of what this team was about. You know, I know that there's a lot of discussion about how will the offense look under Sarkeesian. He said he's going to add a few wrinkles, but otherwise, they're running the same offense. So the 34 night that we saw last year, for the most part, is going to be what it looks like this year with the defense that hopefully plays more like they did to end the season than they did to start last season. So for me, it's the Super Bowl or bust. There's no other way for me to look at this season except that way. I can't look at it as up, uh, make playoffs, we're good. Like, I, I can't – I would not be satisfied with that. Yeah, I just don't get that far ahead of it. I mean, I'm, I can't tell you you're wrong, but crazy things happen, so – I mean, obviously the expectation is playoffs, and then the way I look at it, I just kind of reset and look at what the field is from there. Um, but part of that too is I don't feel the, I don't feel that pressure as a fan that they have to get back this year. I think this team is built for multiple runs over the course of the next three to four years. So I'm not saying let's wait a year, but at the same time, like I think you know I don't feel like this is a man, if we don't get there this year, we'll never get back there. I expect this team to be able to be in the running for the next three to four years easy. Yeah, I agree. I think 
that was that's that was my main perspective. Also, I don't think that a, I don't, that's why I don't think it's a Super Bowl of us. First of all, I mean, to in order to get to the Super Bowl, so much things have to go right. So I mean, like with like last year, of course, we had a historical offense. We had I mean, so much went right with that team. We didn't have any severe injuries outside. Of course, we had troop on injury from our offensive line or anything. We didn't have any real big injuries. I just think that the season has to be damn near magical. I think the only one of the only teams that can basically year in and year out be booked in for the Super Bowl is the New England Patriots. Outside of that, every other franchise is, okay, you just have to play it by ear. And I think that while they, we do have the talent, I do agree with you, A.B., we have the talent, but it's so much more than talent to actually get back to the Super Bowl. I mean, I agree. I don't think that it's, you know, it's, it's easier said than done, obviously. But um, I do think, you know, if you have a team that you feel confident in, a team that is run the way it's supposed to be run, you've got talent up and through the roster, you've got a, you know, veteran quarterback, you've got, you've got everything you need in place. And, of course, things happen, injuries happen, you know, teams get on hot streaks. I mean, everything you could list, you know, happens throughout the course of the year. But I think if you look at it as far as what my expectation would be as far as what would constitute a letdown? Just going back to the to the original question, if, it, if it's what constitutes a letdown, for me, I would be let down if the Falcons did not return to the Super Bowl, for me. So if the Falcons were able to get back to the playoffs and win the division and get a first-round bye and all that great stuff, but lose at home to the Panthers or the Cardinals or Seahawks, something like that, that, that would be a letdown. You know, for me, once you get – once you have a season start with as much that happened in last year coming into this one, to me, the only way to rectify it is to go back and win it. That would be the perfect story. But they've got to do that. Otherwise, to me, it's a letdown. To me, I think it's it's is the Super Bowl Super Bowl hangover real? I mean, of course, you see you saw the Panthers and what they did last year. I mean, of course, so many teams after making it to the Super Bowl and losing, they end up a terrible year. So, I, I mean. I think the first game will actually show if this team is ready to bounce back from February 5th or not. So, I mean, because, of course, you have the Chicago Bears. I mean, you sh- we should destroy that team. So, I mean, I think starting Sunday, you'll see if this team is ready to move on to this season or not. I, I think the Sarkeesian question is a definitely a good one. I mean, it's a valid question. Um, I think that probably to me, is maybe the most important um, question coming into this year. Uh, my thought on it has kind of changed. I was kind of like, eh, whatever, you know, same office, won't really matter a whole lot. But I thought about it a lot more in depth. And it, it is a valid point. I mean, he is a different guy. He's not Shanahan. He's not a Shanahan clone. They do come from similar schools of thought as far as how to run an offense. Um, Sarkeesian, obviously, um, with his years at USC, you know, at Washington. Um, but he's an offensive guy. And I think he's also a guy, you know, as recently was with Alabama, He's a guy who has worked to get himself back in his position. You know, his off-the-field issues with uh, alcoholism have been much, you know, chronicled. But he's a guy who's been waiting for this moment. You know, if he has a great year this year, he's going to be fielding head coaching offers by the end of this season. So there's a lot on the line for him. Um, I do think that he's going to have to figure out how to adjust to what this team does well um, and how to adjust to play calling the way that Matt wants to run it. You know, I remember last year there was a lot of talk about, hey, Let's get more hurry up. Let's get more, um, you know, more no huddle. Let's, what can we do to try to incorporate the team to move faster? I think you'll definitely see more of that uh, this year. 
I think AD spoke about a little bit earlier in, in tonight's show. You'll see more running, I think, from the team than you did last year. Um, but I think there'll be some wrinkles that maybe we don't expect that you'll see that'll be very different. I don't think you're going to see – we don't think we saw any of that in preseason. You know, so I think there'll be some stuff that'll be very different. Uh, but I think this, the question of Steve Sarkeesian meshing with this offense is going to be a question that remains throughout the whole year. Because last year, I feel like with Shanahan and the team finally being in sync, we had a schematic advantage over everybody we, we played pretty much offensively. You know, there was nobody who really was able to figure us out. So will that happen this year? Will we be a step ahead, it feels like, coming into this season? So I think that's a great question. Um, and I think it probably is the most important one as far as how to judge how the season ultimately unfolds. Yeah, and I think the other thing, too, is that we all expect the defense to be a lot better this year, um, which I think plays into it as well. So my hope is that they don't have to be as good on offense. I mean, I just don't know if you can hit a hot streak like that again. So I hope with the defense being better statistically and in the turnover especially that we don't have to be as good, not all the time. I mean, I think a hot streak like they got on last year is just kind of rare. For And even though we got so many pieces coming back, I just don't want to depend on that. I'd rather see the defense step up a little bit more like they played toward the end of last season. I think it's possible with getting true back. Um, you know, he was gone for a big chunk of last year. So, Any other major um... – Plot lines, players. I guess I'll bring it up, man. My player to watch, or a guy. I guess from a personal standpoint, not necessarily. This guy doesn't necessarily determine, you know, if we make the Super Bowl and make the playoffs or not. But it's Brian Poole. I guess he's important in that defensive backfield since he he'll be the third, basically the third cornerback. I think Brian Poole is very important, and it'll be interesting to watch his development as he was undrafted last year. He's pressed into action. He played well, and. You know, cro- fingers crossed. Hopefully, that happened. But in the, in the event that when those other two guys go down, Trufana or, or uh, Rocky, I think it's important that that he plays well. I think a guy that I'll be watching, uh, you know, and we've talked about this battle, this position battle all offseason has been right guard with Wes Schweitzer. Um, Wes Schweitzer was a sixth round pick out of San Jose State uh, last offseason. Uh, did not play a snap last year. He got a chance to sit and learn behind Chris Chester. Uh, came into this offseason, battled with Ben Garland literally up until a couple of days ago. We found out that Wes uh, was going to end up being the, the starter for us at, at right guard. So, you know, it's been a, been a hard-nosed battle. The guys have battled every day. Um, so it'll be interesting to see because the other four starters returned from last year. So will Wes be able to get in there? Um, and do what's, what's needed from him, you know, alongside Alex Mack and alongside um, Schrader. Will he be able to go in there and kind of be a seamless piece to help the run game, but also to hold up in pass protection? So that line is is huge. And, and I think that's where you saw the Falcons really establish themselves was they would be able to be dominant at times up front. He's going to have to continue that uh, and play well in order for the offense to, to play the level I think we're, we know it's capable of. So he will be a guy – I would look at and say um, he's somebody I'm going to watch for. Yeah, my player to watch is probably a surprise, but I'm probably the only one that's putting pressure on uh, Trufant, but I feel like there's a lot of pressure on Trufant, not contractually, of course, because he was just paid. But last year, I think our defense was they, – they, they, uh, they surpassed expectations. So I, I think that we they were actually decent without him, and, of course, he was supposed to be the best player – on that side of the ball. So I think there's a lot of pressure on him because, 
I mean, before this end of before the injury last year, he had he still hadn't really been true fine. The true fine we all felt like he was in a while. So I think if he does ball out this year, and then that can take this defense to another level. And of course, if this defense goes to another level, I, I don't think there's any doubt with anyone that uh, we'll be playing late in January if this defense goes to another level. Well, y'all already know who my guy is. <laughs> Reggie Davis. Reggie Davis. No. Uh, <laughs> I had to get one in. Come on, man. No. You know what? I'm going to say Devondre Campbell. If you hear, you know, some of what I heard in the preseason, um, BQ talk about the, the leap they expect guys to make from their rookie season to their second year. I think Campbell is a guy, A, he went and got LASIK surgery, so he can see now um, on the field. Uh, we joke, but that's a big thing. Um, second, they really expect all those guys, whether they be rookies going to second year or second year going to third year, to make a real big jump uh, from what they did previously. And he's got kind of that weird, freaky athletic skill set when you talk about getting a Duke Riley out there on the field with him, all the guys we talked about from a defensive line standpoint. I think he can make – not necessarily statistically going to have a great year per se – but I think, you know, him back in coverage with his length and all those different things, I think there's a couple of plays a game that he can make that you wouldn't expect that could be real big turning points for the defense. I think it's going to be interesting. I mean, I think that's a great call. I think Devondre is going to be somebody you see them line up all over the place. The work he did with, uh, with Chuck Smith in the offseason, I think, is going to definitely um, pay dividends. I think you can see him line up at end, you know, obviously drop back in the coverage. Uh, I think he's going to be – I think he's going to have a fantastic – you know, second year, he, you know, he struggled a little bit uh, in pass coverage, um, you know, trying to hold up. But I think with him now, like you said, having that eye surgery, being able to see a little bit better, knowing the concepts um, and, and really, I think, being locked into what this what he needs to do. I think he's going to be really good this year for us. Man, look, before we finish, we got a, maybe a moment of silence. Um, Rasheed Hagman was released 2014 second round pick out of Minnesota. Can I play the uh, can I play the celebrate song instead of the moment of silence? Would that be all right? I mean, whatever you want to say, it's another. <laughs> is that another black mark on your boy uh, TD's? That's uh, on the negatives. Uh, well, first of all, we're not gonna talk bad about my man. All right, we won't. We've established that. You know what? I mean, <laughs> you know how much of that is a mark on him, but also part of it is you know, them going out and doing a hell of a job, you know, from a defensive line standpoint. So the Jalen Collins thing is definitely, you know, that's a knock. You know, there's no way around it. But they went out and got a lot of guys that made Rasheed expendable. Um, now, part of it is, you know, what they learned about the domestic violence thing, which clearly they had an issue with. Um, and I would imagine that once that all comes out, it's probably not going to be good news for him um, one way or the other. But part of it, too, is they went out and got guys that, you know, they didn't have to think about it. You know, they looked at it and said, we're, we're good, and he can go. So, yeah, it's got to be a knock because you can't miss on second-round guys, but at a minimum, we'll equal out with just some of the guys that they brought in on the other side. Yeah, I, I do agree with that, that he's made subsequent moves after that draft pick that, like you said, I mean, I know him and Beacox kind of – they didn't really beef, but I, I definitely remember on Hard Knocks oh, yeah. that he was getting into him. <laughs> so, like, that's really, like, one of the lasting memories we'll have of him in a Falcons jersey. Um, kind of yeah. unrealized talent. I guess he could block goals. And I think, pretty good. 
<laughs> I feel bad for him because I think that this just actually, of course, uh, domestic violence is no joke, and this actually just ended his NFL career. But I think he was on the way to turning that new leaf. I mean, you even saw like he's always had glimpses, and of course, he is a second rounder, so you still expected more than his output. But he had glimpses of showing what he could do, and the potential was actually there. So I kind of feel bad for for him in that standpoint, just because it seemed like he was finally turning that new leaf and trying to be, become professional. And you know what I'm saying? And just act like he had a new coach and he felt like, I know one of his quotes before um, in the offseason was just the difference between Cox and I can't think of the D-line coach. Brian, Brian Young. Yeah, Brian Young. I, I, I remember one article and he was just speaking on the difference and how it was just a, a positive environment for him as well. So I kind of feel bad from that standpoint, but at the same time, I understand like there's no, like there's no tolerance for for what he's for what he did or arguably I mean, you don't know what he did or what happened. But I mean, they had to have enough evidence to just go ahead and release him. I mean, personally, I'm excited that they they've gotten rid of him. I mean, like we said, he's unrealized talent. You know, he was one of the last draft picks in that Mike Smith, uh, Thomas Dimitrov era. Uh, highly drafted, uh, never could constantly get his get his act together. You know, there would be times he'd be overweight, times inconsistent with his prep, inconsistent with his technique. Um, and this was a guy in 2014, that was a team that didn't have a lot of talent. So, you know, he, we got to see a lot of Rasheed Hagman as a rookie. Um, and he never really materialized. You know, now you fast forward to this year. And to Trent's point, yeah, there was a lot of hype about him this year. Maybe he was finally starting to get it. The light bulb went off. Uh, but this kind of was his whole career as a Falcon. You know, you get excited about something that he does, and then he turns around and does something stupid. So it's time to move on. I mean, he was never really a DQ guy. I think Quinn was trying to really build him up. Uh, and I think he did to some some extent. But, you know, it's time to move on. If you look at the depth that we have on the defensive line, just from an interior standpoint, you got, you got Grady, you got Poe. You know, you can talk about Jack Crawford. You can talk about, you know, putting Shelby in there. You can talk about – you know, even Upshaw, you know, getting in there. I mean, there's a lot of different ways that Falcons can mix and match to get the right combination of guys. Um, so, you know, for him to not, not be a part of that, you know, oh, well, it's time to move on. So, you know, uh, I can't even say I really wish him well. I mean, I just hope everything works out with that situation with his uh, with the domestic violence because, like you said, Trent, it's nothing to really – nothing to joke about. So hopefully it gets resolved and, you know, he can move on with his life. Hey, real quick, real quick, Ro. Yeah. Uh, Vegas odds – Falcons um, minus seven, over under forty nine. Uh, take the seven. Uh, I I think they'll be under forty nine. That's all I got. For the, is that for the Bears uh, game? Bears game. So Falcons minus seven, and then the over under forty nine. I think they'll be under that forty nine. Uh, since you are since you are resident uh, Vegas expert, did yeah. you put uh, one hundred dollars down on Howard to beat UNLV this past weekend? Because Apparently that one would have won fifty fifty thousand dollars or something crazy like that. If I had done it, you you would know. <laughs> <laughs> that PSL like MBS would have been bought. <laughs> what what are the odds for the Falcons for the Super Bowl? Uh, going back, have have you seen any of those odds or those numbers? I did I did see it earlier. And now hold on, let me try to find it real real quick. Because I know, I mean, I've seen some. Obviously, the Patriots, I think, are probably the odds-on favorite. Uh, but you've, you've seen a lot of Packers hype. You've seen a lot of, you know, oh. Raiders hype, Cowboys hype. 
Um, yeah, 1,200 1, to 100. Okay. So to give you perspective, Patriots are three twenty five. Uh, it, I mean it's it's pretty. I mean Patriots are three or three twenty five to hundred. So that's like the clear front runner. So you put down a hundred dollars, you get back twelve hundred. Is to give you perspective. So um, I mean they're they're decent odds. I mean if you if you had money and you were out there, I would I would actually throw down a little bit on that one. But you know in the grand scheme of things, that's like contenders. So Steelers are in that same range. Um, so that, I mean, that's contender, um, type, uh, type line for them. So they're, you know, Seahawks, same range. Um, whereas like the bucks are like 3,300 to a hundred. So they're in that upper tier, you know, from a betting standpoint. Well, since we're talking about gambling, I'll, um, I'll say if you're out there and I don't think anybody has the Falcons defense starting, but you may want to start your Falcons defense. If you have them in fantasy football, start them, all right? Because Glennon is terrible. And so you <laughs> the you know, end. Got, <laughs> Jones had two pick sixes last year. I wouldn't be surprised if he has one uh, on Sunday. If not, then somebody in the secondary should. But, I mean, of course, the Falcons defense is never. Like, I probably will never tell you to pick the Falcons defense again for the rest of the season. But they, but this week you may want to look at. I think it's a good it's a good play. Well, fellas, thanks again for for joining me tonight. And uh, as we are embark on our third season of Bird Bros, thanks for everybody who who listens in and gives us feedback. Keep improving this bad boy and keep talking Falcons football. That's what it's all about. We don't try to be fancy. We just try to give our perspective as informed fans and. And we had an opinion. And thanks for listening, checking us out. Until next week, hopefully we'll be able to talk about a Falcons W, as I like to say. Until next week, we'll see you. Peace out.